Resilience is different from persistence. It's not just a different word, it's much more critical. Persistence is the ability to stay in the game, not to quit, to hang in there. It's the attitude needed for the long haul. The recognition that success in our business is not a hundred yard dash, but a marathon. Resilience is about our capacity to bounce back from difficulties, disappointments, heartbreak, and hard times. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to today's show. So glad to have you. I really appreciate you listening and tuning in to the Leadership Answer Man. I know you have lots of choices of things you can listen to. There are so many podcasts out there. Uh, the industry is exploding, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen in. We are in the middle of a 10-part series on 10 essential skills every new leader must master. And today, this podcast is coming to you sponsored by the letter R. The letter R in leadership, the sixth letter in the word R. Now, we Germans love the letter R. I was just thinking, rot, you know, that's red, or rechts, that's to go right. Or how about this, since we're right in the middle of Oktoberfest time, as I'm recording this, uh, we've had uh, our local Oktoberfest here in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, and everywhere I go, I hear about Oktoberfest. Well, you know what they love to... I, I won't talk about what we drink at Oktoberfest, but you know what we love to eat at Oktoberfest? Bratwurst. Bratwurst. Two great R's in the letter Bratwurst. So anyway, <laughs> call me crazy. This podcast is brought to you by that wonderful letter R. What I want to cover in today's podcast is talking about resilience. Very different than persistence, which is really determination, which was the podcast we had previously. But today we want to talk about resilience and how different it is from uh, the word resolve or determination, why it's so important, and how we have to learn to bend so we don't break. That's resilience. I'm going to give you a freebie giveaway at the end of the, about in the middle of the program. If you'll listen to that, you'll get some tips on how to, to get a free audio book. And of course, the podcast directory for all my podcasts is at hansfenzel.com backslash podcast. Resilience, the sixth letter in the 10 words, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P. If you're just now dipping in to this podcast series or you've, you haven't uh, been one of my listeners before, you may want to catch up and go back and listen to this entire 10-part series, 10 Essential Skills Every New Leader Must Master. It's kind of like a leadership boot camp, Leadership 101. After my 30 years of experience, what do I think are the most important skills every new leader must master? master. And I'm constantly amazed at how people are just learning about podcasts. Last night, Donna and I were having dinner with a couple of her lifelong, well, actually one of her cousins, Debbie, and uh, one of her best friends, Brooks. They all are the same age. They all grew up together here in Colorado. And I was, uh, I joined them later in the evening and I was talking to them about podcasts and 
They didn't have a clue. They both had iPhones, iPhone 6s. And I said, let me see your uh, iPhone. Right there. I said, you see that little purple app? Yeah, I never noticed that before. Yeah, well, that's the podcast app. And she was saying, well, send me a link so I can find your podcast. I said, I'm not going to send you a link. Here. And I just clicked on her purple app, the little podcast app, searched for Hans Fenzel. There it was. Showed it to her, subscribed. And she said, cool, I'm going to listen to your show. So anyway, in case you haven't been listening or you're one of my new listeners, then uh, check it out the 10-part series on 10 essential skills every new leader must master. Well, here's some great feedback I got from Tim, who is based in Southeast Asia. I'm excited. I have listeners all over the world, and here's Tim in Southeast Asia. When I began this series, I asked the question, what do you think is an essential skill that every new leader must master? And here's what he said, patience. New leaders tend to want to make wholesale changes immediately. This is a mistake, as it usually produces too much negative sentiment and pushback. Better to wait and bring about change through deliberate and consistent vision, casting for the new things, and by serving one's people in order to hopefully soften their hearts and minds to the new things. I like that. Soften their hearts and minds to new things. You know what? Resilience is a softening effect. That's exactly what resilience is. It's being soft. It's not hard. It's being like a a young tree that is healthy and alive, and no matter how strong the wind blows, it bends. Have you ever seen a dead tree? What happens when the wind blows strongly? It snaps. It breaks. Here in Colorado, our forests are filled with beautiful trees that are alive, but also a lot of dead trees, and those dead trees are laying on the ground. Well, thanks, Tim, and Southeast Asia for that good piece of feedback. Hey, guess what I'm holding in my hand? Can you hear that sound? Yep, that's a slinky. I'm holding a slinky in my hand. And this is an original slinky. I've seen some plastic ones But this is the original uh, metal type. I bet you may not have one now, but I bet you anything you had one. I I bring this up. Some of you who know me know that I wrote a book a number of years ago on called Changes Like a Slinky. But recently I found out that the New York Magazine is going to do a special edition this year, a magazine devoted to the 70th anniversary of the invention of the Slinky. And I just thought, oh, that's cool. And I, they were looking for contributions uh, to this article. So I wrote them and uh, gave them, well, here was the question, what makes an enduring toy? And I, I wrote them, and I don't remember all my points, but I, I said, you know, the best toys have no batteries. The best toys are easy to understand for anybody Uh, The best toys bring about creativity. Uh, And the best toys don't cost a lot of money. (laughs) It reminds me of our little uh, grandson, Asher, who we um, took on an outing a few days ago. And he has this little rubber snake, a green rubber snake. Uh, The other day, he and his brother and sister were in the grocery store. And this, this man came up to them, this old man, and gave each of them a dollar and said, I'm impressed how well-behaved you are. Here's a dollar. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And then so they each, uh, there's a section that uh, Danielle took them to where they can buy things for a dollar. And he bought this rubber snake. 
And that that was like a couple of months ago, and he is still obsessed with playing with this rubber snake. So, hey, one of the characteristics of a great enduring toy, it doesn't have to cost a lot. Well, the Slinky, let me tell you how it all began, how the Slinky got started in 1945. Actually, in 1943, as World War II raged on across the globe, Uh, There was a 29-year-old naval engineer, Richard James, who was stuck at the home front testing torsion springs for use as anti-vibration devices in Navy instruments. Hardly an exciting or promising posting, he was trying to figure out ways to have these big generators not uh, vibrate so much and to have some kind of torsion springs underneath them. During an experiment, he knocked one of the springs to the floor that he was testing, and it began to exhibit a behavior that caused his jaw to drop. It was almost literally walking across the room. James took the spring home to his wife, Betty, and asked her if she thought this strange phenomenon would make a good toy. Well, what would your wife say or your husband if you brought some strange idea home? You know, I love what Betty said to Richard James that day when he brought home this harebrained idea. This could make a great toy. She said yes. She scoured the dictionary in search of a suitable name and arrived at the word slinky, which is a Swedish word meaning stealthy, sleek, and sinuous. And in the summer of 1945, when the war was over, James finally found a machine shop in Philadelphia that could manufacture his new toy made out of 98 coils. So when the Slinky debuted at Gimbel's department store in Philadelphia in 1946, both Betty and Richard stood by nervously, skeptical about how well their creation would sell. In fact, they... Uh, they peppered some of their friends to actually walk up and buy some of the slinkies so people would sort you know, like crowd mentality, uh, make people think, oh, yeah, we really should buy this thing. Well, they didn't need to worry. All 400 slinkies for sale were purchased in 90 minutes. Hey, it's kind of like the Apple Store nowadays. <laughs> By the time of the 1946 American Toy Fair, Slinky was a Hit and sales soared. Well, since then, there have been over a half a billion slinkies that have been sold worldwide. And Richard and Betty James became very wealthy people. What I like about the slinky, you know, there's so many things you can do with a slinky. Right now, I've got it in my hands and I'm rocking it from one hand to the other. You know, one of the most important favorite things I did as a kid with a slinky is send it down the stairs. Now, slinky is noisy, and I always like to say change is a noisy proposition. It's unpredictable, and when you send that slinky down the stairs, it is unpredictable where it will finally lead. So that's the slinky, and change is a lot like a slinky. And the thing about the slinky, what does it have to do with this podcast today? Resilience. A slinky is resilient. It gives and it takes, and it's flexible. Speaking of Germans and Bratwurst and Oktoberfest, you know, leadership, I want to tell you a story about something that happened in uh, during the war. 
uh, that kind of relates to leadership and why we need to be resilient. During World War II, the Germans waged serious warfare with one of their most potent weapons. They were called the U-boats. They were sleek. They were black underwater vessels of destruction. U-boats. U stands for Untersee, under the ocean, which is a German word for, uh, you know, undersea. The U-boats. And these U-boats wreaked havoc in the Atlantic as the Allied forces attempt to close in. In fact, you know, the shipping lanes that went from North America over to Europe were constantly being bothered and sunk by these U-boats. And so what did they do? Well, they began to absolutely destroy these U-boats with what's called depth charges. They would pummel the U-boats with depth charges. And for days on end, the German soldiers would be shaken up like gravel in a cement mixer. Can you imagine being in one of those submarines and surviving those depth charges? Well, it kind of reminded me of an analogy of leadership. How do you survive the rough and tumble of leadership warfare? By developing a thick skin? No, in fact, you know that I recently did a podcast on answering the question, do leaders need thick skins? And I said, absolutely no. In fact, developing a coarse emotional hide is the worst thing you can possibly do. I have a podcast on that. You can go to hanspinzel.com backslash 61 if you want to listen to that thick skin episode. But that's not what we do. When we are tumbled about like gravel inside a cement mixer in our leadership, what do we do? Well, making ourselves impervious to pain means shutting ourselves off from the most important nuances of our leadership, of what we do and the people that we relate to. I've seen leaders become so well-insulated and isolated, probably because of their pain, that they are completely out of touch and completely ineffective as leaders. So rather than a thick hide, the thing to develop is a resilient hide, a flexible hide, a hide that can absorb the blows, not deflect them. Instead of trying to develop ways of never feeling the heat of leadership and never getting anywhere near a depth charge, the idea is to learn how to process them with less pain and more efficiently. What would be some of the depth charges that you might be facing that might be hitting you right now? Uh, Things that make you, that could potentially take you out and slow you down and definitely uh, discourage you. Here's just a few off the top of my head. There are so many things. Here's just a short list of five depth charges that I think really shake up leaders. Opposition from outside, external opposition, which can take so many forms in your environment. Opposition from within. That's more painful than outside opposition. When people inside don't trust you, criticize you, don't follow your leadership, are not on board with your change initiative, whatever. Opposition from inside, huge depth charge. Family or marriage problems, financial hardships, illness, just to name a few. Thank you so much for listening in today to the podcast. I'm about halfway through the 10 letters of the word leadership. Actually, the letter R is the sixth letter, so I'm a little bit more than halfway through. I'd love to hear some of your ideas for my next series of podcasts that will happen after this is over. I would like to get back to some pain points 
and I would like to hear about your pain points in leadership that you'd like me to answer or address on a future show. It could be something you're experiencing in leadership that is frustrating you or that you're struggling with or something that your boss or supervisor is uh, exhibiting that you would like some help with. I still have some free audio books I'd like to give away, so just to give you an incentive to give me some input, if you'll go to Hans Tenzel dot com backslash engage and tell me what you think is a pain point in leadership you'd like me to talk about then i'll give you a free audio book again that's hansfinzel.com backslash engage let me hear from you i'd really love to the last episode i talked about determination which is another word for persistence but this podcast today we are emphasizing something very different and it's the word resilience It's sponginess. It's the ability to bend in the wind and not snap. It's what a slinky is. It's flexible. And it is really hard to destroy a slinky. The one I'm holding in my hand I've had just for years. And and it's amazing. It's very hard to destroy it. That's resilience. If you could imagine a soft, spongy ball that you can squeeze easily. That's the kind of hide we need to develop as leaders, a hide that is resilient. I want to talk about the difference between resilience and persistence. And I want to thank David Beavers for some of these thoughts on resilience. Early in my podcast career, I interviewed David Beavers. And uh, that's a great interview. It was called Bouncing Back. And if you want to check that out, it's hansfinzel.com slash 19. Resilience is different from persistence. It's not just different. It's actually more critical. Persistence is the ability to stay in the game, to not quit, to hang in there. It's the attitude needed for the long haul, the recognition that success in whatever you're doing is not a 100-yard dash but a marathon. Resilience is about our capacity to bounce back from difficulties, disappointments, heartbreak, and hard times. It's the ability to bounce back. Sometimes we have persistence, but we lack resilience. And you really need to have both. It's like two sides of a coin. Resilience is absolutely critical in most endeavors, in leadership, in our lives. Persistence keeps us in the race, but resilience returns us to the right path when we get knocked off course, even when we get knocked to the ground. Persistence can tell us not to quit, but alone it cannot stir in us the willingness and the humility to let go of our failures and mistakes to brush off the put-downs and the negative attitudes of others around us. Resilience is more than just being thick-skinned. Resilience is a matter of having such a big picture of an encouraging perspective on our lives that setbacks and disappointments in the moment can't cripple our resolve or shatter the vision we have for our future. Thanks, Dave Beavers, for those great thoughts on resilience. Brene Brown, who I've mentioned a number of times, is one of my favorite new authors of recent years. And in her bestseller, The Gifts of Imperfection, she lists the five most common factors in resilient people. You like that title? I do. Her book is called The Gifts 
of imperfection. You see, we all want to be perfect or we think we need to be perfect or people expect us to be perfect. But she says, actually, imperfection is a gift. And she is a huge fan of the concept of resilience. Here's what she says in chapter 6 of the book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Resilient people have the ability to deal with difficult times and still have progress in their lives. Resilient people have five characteristics in common. They use their resources. They ask for help when it's needed. They believe they are capable of coping. They have good support systems, and they stay linked to others. By the way, all this will be on my show notes at hansfinzel.com on the podcast. Spirituality, she goes on to say, is another quality common to those who are resilient. Spirituality is the belief that all people are connected in some way to a greater power, and this connection is centered on love and compassion. Those who practice spirituality have purpose and meaning in their lives. There are three essential elements of resilience. Resilient people foster the possibility of hope. They are critically aware and are able to let go of substances or situations that are used to numb feelings or lessen pain. Wow, that is just amazing stuff. Finally, she goes on to say, according to C.R. Snyder, a former researcher at the University of Kansas, hope is a way of thinking, not an emotion. Hope occurs when people have the ability to make realistic goals, to figure out a way to reach those goals, and to believe in themselves. Hope is also a learned behavior. People who consider themselves hopeful are flexible and value hard work and determination. Those who are without hope feel powerless. Powerlessness is a dangerous and desperate feeling. Resilience, so absolutely critical for health and for life and for success at home, in the family, and at work, and of course, in leadership. I want to finish this podcast by encouraging you to be like a slinky and like a soft rubber ball. Like a slinky because a slinky is resilient. It's unpredictable. It adjusts very well to change and to opposition. And no matter in which direction it goes, it's fun, it works, and it's resilient. Same with a, like I said, a young tree that is healthy and alive and energetic and bends with the wind like a soft, spongy ball. Anything that is hard and inflexible is dried out and will snap under pressure. Why is resilience so important? Because resilience is about change, and we have to be change agents. And anyone today who's going to be effective in leadership has to be willing to be flexible and to change. I hear so many people complain about my boss just won't listen to us. They will not change. They're so set in their ways, and they're so convinced that their way is the right way. And I just wish they were more resilient. So practice resilience. Learn resilience. Maybe you should make a list of some things you're inflexible about. And then consider which of those things might you consider 
being open to change. Now, there's a difference between absolutes, uh, you know, moral absolutes, which should never change, things that are absolutely black and white, right and wrong. But when, term, when it comes to methodology and strategy, that's where we need to be resilient and be open to change. And we should never make our methodology our theology. Well, I'm beginning to ramble, so I want to finish up with a poem. I haven't done a poem in a long time. Philip Brooks, he was one of America's great preachers in the early 19th century, so the early 1800s. He established schools, he authored books, he composed hymns. And in 1868, he published a little Christmas carol called O Little Town of Bethlehem. Well, his words can help us stay centered and grounded. This is a poem that he wrote, and it can inspire us to pursue our dreams and to build our leadership teams with humility, integrity, and resilience. And here's the prayer of Philip Brooks, author of A Little Town of Bethlehem. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself and the richness of life, which has come to you by the grace of God. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.